Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta Injury Lawyers. Go to jameshbrown.com. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chat. Very special guest is Jason Greger, formerly of 12, 1260. 20 years you were there total through three different orders, you said? Uh, well, technically 18 because we were at CJCA for two years in between. Oh, sorry. But so started, 20 yeah. years as a sports uh, radio uh, host specifically. Yeah, 22, 22 in radio and 20 as a host, full-time host. Right. Yeah, because so I had a you, one, my did, first. Did my you go first, to Nate? Yeah, yeah. When? I, gra- I graduated in 2001. Oh, so I just missed you because I graduated in '99. Yeah, yeah, you're, so you must you're have started older, right dirt, after. Man. Like I'm a young buck. Yes, I, I, I seriously believe I am older than you. <laughs> you're much wiser though, and, and much um, more mature. So yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was great. Um, like my first ever show that I hosted was the Gridiron Show, which was a once a week Tuesday show that we did at noon from Smitty's. And oh. we would have a different, uh, uh, back then, Eskimos, uh, now Elks, of course, player that would come in, and we would just talk about life. And we were, like, not much football. It was a lot of and fun. that like, was on CJCA? Yeah. I don't remember that. I learned a lot about the players, man. Because that's when I was kind of just covering the Elks, like a beat reporter oh, I see. on okay. radio. Right. And it, was, it was awesome. Like, I learned so much about different guys. It was pretty fun. Because you think about a football team, there's so many different players, and they come from such diverse well, and they, Yeah, they, and the, a lot of the guys that wind up here, they got a story. Oh, geez, are you kidding me? Ralph Staten and Don. Well, man, there were some yeah. beauties in those locker rooms. Yeah, I remember Ralph Staten. He was Ron, number 38, wasn't he? He was. One of the toughest dudes you ever meet. Ron uh, uh, Ron Williams was a classic. Running back, had. Yeah. Then, you know, like Kevin Leftsrud. Uh, man, we could go through From, uh, is it, no, not Viking. Yeah, it's Viking. Yeah, yeah. He's near Viking. Yeah, right out there. Yeah. Well, I interviewed him the summer 2020 because they have a distillery but yes. then they started making hand sanitizer did you talk to him about that too well hand sanitizer <laughs> but now it's making alcohol oh yeah that's the thing they went from alcohol to hand sanitizer now they've gone back, back to, to, alcohol, the, uh, back to yeah. alcohol all right we're, we do have sports topics here um lundquist hall of fame obvious that was agree. a no-brainer ken hitchcock no-brainer okay i'm doing i'm doing the players barrasso and vernon and pierre turgeon now Pierre Turgeon got a lot of points in an era where a lot of players got a lot of mm-hmm. points. To me, that's one of those where it's like this is becoming the hall of the very good or the hall of, like, let's look at the numbers and not where he was in the hierarchy at the time. Now, now so here's where I wonder. You, you tell me you have anybody who played against the two of them and have them tell you who was tougher to play against, McGilney or Turgeon? Or Roenick. Or Jeremy Roenick, 100%. Yes. Keith Kachuk. I probably would take over Pierre Turgeon. And, that, and I, he, I hate to do this because he was a good player. No, he's a very good player. He was a not, first overall pick. He's not better than some of the yes. other guys who aren't in. I, I remember reading a, a line 
Uh, it might have been in, uh, I, I don't know if it was in sport. it probably wasn't Sports Illustrated because they didn't do a lot of hockey, but some ho- maybe maybe it was Hockey Digest or something like that. And somebody said, the only reason Pierre Turgeon goes into the corners is to check his reflection in the glass. <laughs> it wasn't attractive man. So, so, or is. So here's, so. The, so, here's the, so here's the whole thing. Should, are you a Hall of Famer if it's not obvious? Like, if... If it's not unanimous with the 18 guys, you know, because here's the thing: you should eat. You should have to have been one of the best players at your position for multiple seven, years. eight, nine, ten years. Now, maybe goaltender's the exception, which we'll talk about. But skaters, or in your role at your position, mm-hmm. it's always a great debate because some people are going to view your I don't think you have to have unanimous because here's the thing and um, and so I definitely don't want to disparage Pierre Turgeon because hey good for him he got in that's great for him and his family because uh, a lot of people will say well Clark Gillies is in and they, and they go to the the one player that they feel is like the lowest on the totem pole I'm like okay but if you're going to do that then if you look at me and say uh, hey I like Alex McGillie yeah but he's not in the same category as Wayne Gretzky or Mary Lemieux there's different categories in the hall there just is right like when Connor McDavid goes in, whoever goes in with him is unlikely to be considered <laughs> right. the same player as Connor McDavid. Right. right? Like Leon Dreisaitl, to me, is going to be a Hall of Famer. I don't, sure. I don't think it's any question. Yeah. And as great as Leon Dreisaitl is, some people say, yeah, but he's not McDavid. He's damn close. Right? So I, I don't mind that there's different tiers of it. I, I don't really have an issue with that. I, I would just love to know why. Now, I'm guessing, and this is only a guess. It's 2023. There's a war going on, and they're like, we're not going to put in a Russian player. I'm like, okay, but you're not putting in a guy who defected from Russia. Okay? He defected from his country just to come play in the NHL and turned out to be a heck of a player. Like, um, there's so many numbers that will back up why McGillney is in. So I'm I'm not even focusing on who's in. I'm just like, someone explain to me why he's not in. That's all. That's my question. Or maybe they're thinking we put him in next year. We do because they can only put four guys in, four men in. Sure, but why? There's guys that have gone in the last five years where he's eligible that I'm like, yeah, true. Because he's they're been not for better a while. than him. There's their numbers don't match up. And and another thing that is somewhat strange to me. So Barrasso and Vernon have been eligible once in so five and once in so six. Mm-hmm. So again, that's part of my thing. Is like, well, if they're that good, why does it take them so long? Well, and and here's the thing we should mention. If you don't get nominated, right? Somebody has to bring your case yeah, to the forefront, yeah. right? So, because I'm on the I'm on the Edmonton Orders um, uh, wall, wall of Honor Hall of Fame committee, yeah. And th- everybody in there has a chance. You kn- you don't know. We, there's no conversation about okay, who are you nominating? So I don't want to match you. So when you show up on that day. And they go around the room, and you're like, okay, here's who my nominee is. If I have, like, if Reed Wilkins puts in Ryan Smith, for instance, last year, and I had, why well, I have Ryan Smith, and I have a whole, you have to defend why you want him in, I can't just suddenly change. Right. Right. So some years, <laughs> may, maybe he's not getting nominated, right? Like, maybe Barrasso, I don't know how many times was he nominated. That's, that's the question. So, um, you know, I know a lot of people in Empton will say, hey, Curtis Joseph, and there's some validity to that. I look at Cujo's numbers, and um, Paul Padita on, I don't know if you follow him on, on Twitter, he's hes pretty good. He breaks down, all, that's basically what he focuses on is the Hockey Hall of Fame, and he goes through all the data and, and the numbers of it. So um, he had, you know, Barrasso was like, the goaltender had probably been the least represented position well, it is, yeah. in, in hockey well, for a long time. Now, again, 
there's the fewest numbers of them. So, of course, it's going to be the least represented. And to circle back to what I was saying earlier, it's the hardest position to be a top guy for 7, 8, 9, 10 years. 100%. Now, Lundqvist did it. Oh, Lundqvist, to me, I thought was a was a, was a no Wa, you know, Wa did it. Brodeur did it. Uh, Hasek Dominic did it. Was, Dominic Hasek won a few hearts, man. He's yes, so... But, that, but that's the thing, because so my colleague Brendan Escott, who's almost 30, we were going through the Hall of Fame goaltenders, and he's like, I really have only seen a couple of these guys in their prime. Like he saw yeah. Luongo. Even for him, peak Juan Brodeur, he was pretty young, mm-hmm. right? So that that is interesting. It is kind of an like un- if you look at the, at the active goalies today, outside of Vasilevsky, is there any, like, for sure? That are a lot. That, like, that, that's the conversation you know, we were Sorokin having. Sorokin and, and Shesterkin in a few years might be. Oh, Mark Andre. Is Pekka Pekka a Hall of Famer? I, I know he's just retired. Is Pekka a Hall of Famer? Not for me, no. No? No. He's He was very good. He was a top three goalie for a long time. <laughs> Like you said, it's not the Hall of the Very Good. Yeah, no. I, I, I look at some of the goalies who, who aren't in, and I would say, hey, man, Curtis Joseph was a guy who won series by himself. Yes. But, the, yeah, that's the, and it's an interesting position, too, right? Because how good was the team in front of you? Uh, place, oh, huge factor. Some guys can definitely be insulated a little bit better than others, for sure, at times. Yeah. But Vernon, like, Vernon went to three cup finals. 86 as a rookie. Mm-hmm. 89, he won it. And then he was he went back with Detroit and won it. Yeah. And it's funny if you, now, I'm cherry-picking the years here. But if you look at between 89 and 2001, Waugh won three cups. Barras and Vernon each won two. Right, and then you know Richter won one, Belfour yeah. won one, so so they're Brodeur right up there. was in there, right? Brodeur won, and then he won later yeah. as well, right? But yeah, uh, I, I was the the one that I was surprised about was was Turgeon. and and you summed it up well. Ask anybody from that era how difficult was this guy? Because yeah. like I I think it's much easier to compare players against their peers from that era. And that's why I look at Roenick, I look at Kachuk, you look at McGillie. Now, there's a little bit of crossover from start to yep. finish, not massive amounts. Turgeon, those guys were playing at the same time. So you compare them. And, like, I don't – people are like, oh, what about Dick Duff? I'm like, I never watched Dick Duff. Yeah, and, I in this, and in the 60s, like <laughs> you go back and you look at where he was, hey, at that time, right, they won a lot. He was a pretty good player. Like, that was my dad's favorite player. So – yeah, I can't. I can't make a strong argument, and you can't compare the data and stats from that era to the '80s, where it was way more high scoring. It was right, just which is to me, how can you really say per, uh, Turgeon's over a point a game is makes him that elite uh, against you, you other can, other centers of the time? And that's right? where Paul uh, Peduta has that whole, you know, the the era adjusted somewhat, and and his is a little bit more advanced, so they could look he, at that. Who does he write for? Uh, right now, he's at dailyfaceoff.com. Okay, because yeah. I saw, I, I can't remember what it was. Somebody did a really good thing on the goaltenders, and the goals saved above average and expected yeah. save percentage. And, all that, and Cujo looked pretty good. Yeah, no, he's he had, he, he's had a lot of articles here the last six months about the Hall of Fame that are pretty interesting. It's good for debates. Yeah, and that's maybe that's what it's all about, right? I mean, yeah. if you if you are getting that upset about it, then maybe it's like, yeah, I don't know. Uh, quickly here before we break, you and I both uh, at times, going back to 2014, have wondered about Stephen McAdoo, the offensive coordinator <laughs> for the for the Elks. We talked about him off air the other day, even. Now, cl- like clearly, Cornelius is not playing well, not playing like Ooh, he showed last dude. year. Um, 
You know, I talked to somebody who said, well, most of the schemes are the same. Matt Nichols was on my show last night and actually said it's more complicated than it looks in some of the reads you have to make. Like, is it? Is this the way he called the game still frustrate you, or or what's going on? Yeah, I'm not. A, I've never been a huge fan of of his play calling. I, like I know they won the Grey Cup in 2015. Yeah, they had an elite quarterback and a right. lot of elite receivers who made some really good plays at times. So look at. So that's one year. You can't just use that one year. What's happened since 15? Ask Saskatchewan fans. What did their offense do there? So well, they were 12 and six Joneses last year. To be fair. Yeah, one year. But again, yeah, fair enough. I so if I look at the overall big picture and say, hey, oh, this guy was 12 and 6 one year. What was he the other five years? 4 and 14, <laughs> you know, 3 and 15. Well, okay. I don't right. think the 12 and 6 necessarily <laughs> just uh, overshadows everything. I, I don't, I think their play calling's too, too passive at times. It's very, it's always been strange for me that you have a head coach that is so aggressive defensively and it's successful. And then you have an offense that is the opposite. Yep. And for long stretches is too passive. And very predictable. Like, how many times will you see, oh, second and seven. Well, let's run it and throw it to five-yard receiver and you end up two yards And short. that's are my frustration. And that's my frustration is there aren't enough passes that if they are caught and the receiver is tackled immediately, it's a first down. And I get the CFL. It's a big field. There's fast guys crossing. Like, Calville didn't throw it deep every play. No. He, he found the holes. But it is a lot of pressure to throw to your back out of the field or to throw to a receiver, a stationary receiver, four yards down the field. Well, that's the, they, that's the one that's frustrating sometimes. At least use a crossing pattern. But I have to say, like Taylor Cornelius, you take out one pass in two games, Reed, and he has 200 passes. I know. It's less, yeah, it's less than 100 yards a game, basically. Like, yeah. that is – I don't care what scheme you're running. And to get shut out in the CFL, like – Usually you could like they weren't even in a position to rouge one for goodness sakes like it was well they should have tried the two long field goals they had a, fi a chance at a 52 and a 51 in the first half this British guy's got a big leg let him kick yeah I don't, again like that goes to the, well if he misses I'm like if he misses they're probably going to return it or at least try to because we know that missed field goals there's more alignment on there's better chance yeah, no, of I get that risk but yeah they're right now their offense there's a lot of things wrong with it everybody they well hey by the way you have a young quarterback who doesn't have a lot of experience. So you know what we're going to do, Reed? We're going to play him three series in a month during training camp and preseason. Excellent like, point. What the hell's going on? Like, give him a game. Give him three quarters. I said it right after their second game. I'm like, what are you doing? Three series? And, then, and Joe Jones keeps saying, well, and, and, he looks so good first two weeks of camp. Uh, yeah, in who camp. cares? No one's trying to take his head off yeah. in camp. And, by the way, in those three series, how many passes did he have? Like, go, go back and look at how many preseason I passes he had. I think he had seven, had. didn't he? Uh, see, I, I thought he might have completed seven. I thought he th might have thrown 12. Oh, well, was it that many? Maybe, okay. maybe you're right. Maybe it might it have been seven. It wasn't very many. But, and they were raving about the running game. Well, the running game is about as visible as my hair right now. It's not good. <laughs> Jason Greger is going to do our world-famous segment, Name the Animal, when we get back. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta Injury Lawyers, the heavy hitters of injury law. All right, I'm very excited. I'm always excited to do this segment. We started it when we thought that the Elks were going to change their name to, well, the, to, to the Elks. So we played an Elk sound on the radio, and I had no idea that's how an Elk sounded. So since then, Jason, whenever Kellen and I feel like it, it's like, not weekly. Sometimes it's weekly. Sometimes there's months in between. We do name the animal. 
So, so you've already forgotten about yeah. the mic oh, on button. Geez. One week off very the air, you're exactly. all rusty. I'm a rookie. Very, <laughs> so, very so in depth. Here's so what you're telling. Like how how obscure of an animal are we talking here? It could be anything. We've had everything oh. from walruses to mosquitoes oh. to uh, bobcats. A, mos a mosquito? A beagle. So Kel so earlier today, Kellen Kennedy went to the 630 Chet Animal Sanctuary, which, okay. as you know, is adjacent to the 630 Chet Broadcasting Compound. Uh -huh. And yep. depending yep. on the size and demeanor of the animal, right. he either brought it back and has it in the control room with him now, or he recorded its sound. Okay. So he's going to either prompt the animal to make its sound or mm -hmm. play the recorded sound, and then you have to name the animal. All right. Now, you can make multiple guesses. You can start asking for hints after a while. I'm going to try not to help you. We've never had anybody else do this except for me, so I hope you realize what hallowed ground you're walking oh, on. Oh, this is high bar to live <laughs> up to. Jason's like, this is seriously what Wilkes does every night? Why am I friends with this guy? <laughs> All right, Kellen, name name the animal. All right, Jason Gregor, Celebrity Edition. <laughs> Well, it's not a Wookiee, but it sure sounds like one. Um, it's not a real animal. Yeah, that's another uh, qualification. Yeah, it has to be, be a real animal. Uh, can can I hear it one more time? Absolutely. Here we go. Camel. No. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Um... So you can ask, like, is it a mammal? Yeah. Is it bigger than a dog? Stuff well, like that. It sounds like it's a big animal. I would, uh, I would assume. Am I, am I right that it's a bigger? You are incorrect. It is not a big animal. What? Okay, I'd have no. Okay, let me hear it one more time, because now I'm totally off. <laughs> God, it sounds like that lady when she was stomping grapes and fell off the <laughs> table. That's like the, that's the, that's the greatest meme of amazing. all time. Um, so is it a mammal? Uh, it is not a mammal, no. Is it found in Alberta? That's one I often ask. Uh, uh, yeah, there's just a variety of this animal you can find anywhere in Alberta, basically. Are those... Uh, is that a groundhog or like a version of one of those little groundhogs? No, no, it is not a groundhog. Because mm. that would be a mammal, right? I guess that would. Would, would people have this as a pet? Uh, some people might, yes. Yep. Is, it, is it like some sort of lizardy type thing? Uh, you mean like... Uh, amphibian? Yeah, amphibian, yes it is, yes. Oh, I, I know what it could oh, be. Oh, it's not a Komodo dragon, is it? No, it is not a Komodo dragon, no. Can I throw yeah, something? Ahead, is, is it a bullfrog? It is a bullfrog. It is a bullfrog. It is a bullfrog. Play that one more time. <laughs> See, at the farm, the bullfrogs sound a little bit different. There you go. And if he had asked for a audio clue, I would have played the 1995 Super Bowl commercial for... Does Reed ever do his, like, what animal sounds can you do? Oh, I don't make the sounds myself. No? That would make everybody uncomfortable. Oh. Sometimes I try to do accents, but I just always sound oh, really weird. Yeah. So you gotta do, like, a, you do a good calf sound. That could be our next thing. There you you make the animal sure. sound, and then yeah. I have to guess. Mm -hmm. Well, Jason, uh, this was an honor to have you in. At a, end on a high note, Reed. Hopefully we have the opportunity to do this again in some form. Yeah, well, we'll be seeing each other around. So that'll be good. I don't, uh, uh, 
Dave, I don't know when or where. Dave Campbell, Cornelius in the preseason. Three series, six for nine for 53 yards. Okay, there you yeah, go. So, so not very many. Hey, no. all the best I, to you. I got a young quarterback, in. and he throws nine passes yeah. in essentially a month, right? Because they played two games, he didn't play one, and then they had a bye afterwards. I just, I don't think that's the best development. Mike Riley, when he was in his prime, was throwing more passes than that. That is Jason Greger on Inside Sports. Thanks for listening.